I'm Jerry Durham. And I'm Andrew Rothschild. And we are the Healthcare Disruption Podcast, bringing you information, ideas, and thoughts from the outer edges of healthcare, and sometimes even from outside of healthcare, where the true changes will occur. What we believe is the singular focus on the patient will bring about the only true change in healthcare. Thank you for coming and enjoy today's show. All right. Welcome back to Health Care Disruption Podcast. Again, I'm Jerry Durham, running solo without my Robin, Andrew Rothschild. And again, as promised, I have brought back John Wolf, physical therapist, not Dr. John Wolf, as we clarified on the last episode. And I brought John back because this conversation is so important to us disrupting healthcare. And it's not rocket science, as John mentioned in the last podcast, but it is science. So welcome back, John. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me back. Cool. So let's dive right in. Um, There were a lot of things we talked about in the last episode, and I hope everybody took a listen and even rolled that back. I kept it, we, not I, kept it short on purpose. I wanted bullet points for you to listen to and then run that back. So on your drive into work, you heard it, and on your drive home, you heard it. And each time you listen to that, as I talk to John every time, I learn something new and I've known him for a long time. So there's a lot of information in there to process. So I want to bring this up slowly. So let's jump right in. John was recently up in Seattle, uh, sorry, up in Washington in the, what what island you on? Bainbridge Island. Bainbridge. Thank you. And John is teaching up there. And so what we want to do in um, this episode is take a deeper dive. We spoke higher level. Let's get down into the weeds, which PTs love to do. And one of the things I believe is important, and I've asked John to talk about a little more with us, is the provider education. Okay? And not the provider education about how how to talk to other people, how to change other people's beliefs but the provider education on us getting to know ourselves better, which fucking still scares the shit out of me every day when I think I don't want to know myself better. Yet, I know in order to move forward in my life and to help other people and to make the world a better place, I better understand myself first. And I'm going to throw in one more thing, is part of my beef with the biopsychosocial education going on out there. The bulk of it is teaching us how to influence other people without us first learning more about ourselves and how our own brains work. And I brought this to people teaching it. And there seems to be a disconnect with the people taking the courses and the people teaching the courses because the people teaching the courses want to teach us. The people taking the courses don't necessarily see the value in it. So John, will you go into this and explain to us what it is about the provider learning more about themselves and the significance to us being successful in this relationship-centered care? Please, thank you. Yeah, happy to do that. And uh, this is the first, essentially kind of the first day of the course is trying to help providers understand how, you know, that it can't just be learning a thing to do to somebody. And I kind of hinted on this last time. You could, you could try to teach somebody a manipulation with their hands to do a, a you know, a high velocity manipulation. But if you don't spend the time to really understand how it feels to, to manage and to hold the tissues and to, and to get a feel for the joint and the position of the joint, all of that takes time. And, you know, interestingly, we're probably trained to feel our hands better than we are to kind of train our, and feel our own feelings, right? 
I mean, really a lot of, a lot of things that get in the way of connecting with patients is what we think about patients or what we think about ourselves in the process of seeing patients or all of the other garbage that gets in the way in the patient environment, which is our clinic, our colleagues, our space. I mean, there's, there's a hundred different things that truly can influence the experience. So what we do is we, we first of all open up that black box of exactly what is experience, right? I mean, you almost, if you want to provide a great experience, you have to understand what experience is. And then, but we have to do it in a way that's fairly cognitive. And we have to think about it. And then we're going to feel it, too. Because the challenge with the, the unconditional positive regard, we talked about this last episode of the Therapeutic Alliance. The trouble with the Therapeutic Alliance is this unconditional positive regard is not all that easy. It's not so easy because we've got to let go of all, a lot of our own stuff. And believe me, I got a lot of stuff. I'll give you an example. I had a patient, I don't know how many, uh, a couple of years ago, more than that, I think. She came in and she says, you know, I've had this back pain forever. And I said, really? She says, yeah, I've had this back pain. I was hoping you could help me. And, and I says, well, what's, what's worked in the past? And, you know, the only thing that's ever helped me is acupuncture. And, and I kind of looked at her sideways, you know, with my really, really smart physical therapy eyes. And I said, really? Acupuncture? So acupuncture helped you with your back pain. And this was the back of the time, of course, when I was, I was drinking the literature and the evidence-based everything. I said, you know, there's no evidence to suggest that says that acupuncture actually helps back pain. And she looks at me and goes, I don't need evidence. It helps me. I'm the evidence. And guess what happened to that patient, Jerry? Yeah. Hold on. Can I guess? Can I guess? She didn't complete yeah, her plan of care, John. John, did she show up yeah, for the next visit? Uh, she didn't come back, Jerry. She didn't. That was not it. Yeah, that was a one and done. Now, you know, again, how can Mr. Smarty Pants like me, you know, start to back off the throttle a little bit and connect with people where they're at? You know, what, what's necessary for me to slow that process down and, and, just, and just understand their map? And I use this. This is the, the, the terminology we use to train colleagues is understand that um, everybody has a map. That they're that they're using in order to navigate the territory, and um, you know I have one too. And the truth is, if how am I going to get somebody from A to B? Am I going to use my map, or am I going to use their map? And the chances are they're going to get better success if we use their map. Which means I've got to learn how to use. I've got to learn how to build out a map and understand somebody's map. And that's a whole lot of, I mean, that's a whole lot of skill set to really, truly understand where somebody is. And, and, but so the number one, the number one point I think you were asking is like, we have to work on ourselves. We have to be really clear that our number one job is to get out of the way, which is quite counterintuitive because a lot of us think we need to get big and, awesome. and get in the, someone's grill. That is awesome. Our number one job is to get out of the way. And let's, let's be, let's pause for a second. We'll have plenty of time. To do to be really smart, we'll have plenty of time to really, to really you know, map out a perfectly executed treatment plan with regards to the right mobilizations and the right uh, sensory motor control training. We will have plenty of time for that, but that is not job number one. Job number one is get out of the way, and be ready to interpret everything that this person is going to say, and it doesn't have to take a lot of time. 
You just have to know how to do it really well. And that's, and that's where people are stepping back going, man, that's awesome. Well, how do you do that? And I said, like, well, it's, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of skills, but I mean, you got to know what's going on behind the curtain as well. Yeah. I think you're muted there, buddy. There we go. There we go. Sorry about that. I don't think everybody sure. minded I was muted. Um, so I was, I, I was actually, so just so you know, just so everybody, all the listeners know, we've got a little webinar thing going, right? So I'm yeah. looking at Jerry's mug and he's looking <laughs> Mouth at mine. Moving. <laughs> so, so and let's just say I'm, you know, let's just say I train people in communications yeah. and I'm sitting there watching Jerry's lips move. And I'm going, Hey, wait a minute, man. <laughs> Something's missing here, Jerry. Hey, wait what are you a doing? minute. Yeah. That, so that's wait John's skills. See, he has good skills. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I'm, I'm expert trained, right? <laughs> so I want you to, I still want you to dive deeper into that. And I just want to make uh, one point about getting out of the way, which, which you can or can. Well, I don't think this is the right time for you to dive in because I want you to go back. But I want people to think about, because the argument I see about us telling people what to do is, and I see this argument against giving people what they want. And giving people what they want is saying, I'm fucking listening here. I'm listening. When someone tells me what they want, if I don't acknowledge it, we're dusted. Would you agree with that, John? Not exactly. I'm close. You're close because okay. because it, it's and this gets back down to it. It can't just be about what the patient wants. Oh, I get that. It can't be. No, I get that part. Yet when people say you can't get, they say you can't give people what they want, right? Because we got to go down this path oh, and do this. Yeah, no, no, right. That doesn't work. So well, sorry if well, I didn't unless, say that. No, I think I think I understand what you mean now. I, unless, unless you, what the patient wants is also something that you want, right? Now there are going to be some colleagues, and, and there's a, there's a lot of uh, part of the training is this. There's a lot of colleagues who really just don't have the resilience. You know, they don't have the flexibility to to begin to adapt their practice to include what the patient may be interested in receiving because they have a preconceived notion of what they need. I mean, honestly, there's some things that some patients, they may came, uh, come and say, you know what, this is what I think it's really gonna make a difference for me. And, and I might actually say, hmm, I don't know if we're gonna be able to work that in because blank, and I'll have a reason for that. Uh, but a majority of the time, I can use what they believe is gonna be important to them. And I can, I can, and when I do it well, and it can be done well, I'm going to, at the same time, dovetail that with what I know is the right evidence to support a, the, the efficacy of my treatment, right? So I'm interested in providing a treatment that is explainable, understandable, billable, and creates a great outcome because I need people to function better. Not just think differently about stuff. I need to do stuff. And this, this whole idea now, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a, a kind of a voice of the disruption idea. You know, teaching people, just teaching people pain science right now is garbage. I mean, it's cool and it's good. And you do have to treat the fear by providing, providing some sort of a framework about what pain is. But thinking that's all you're going to be able to do and, and get someone to where they need to go is rubbish. And, I think and that's a great point. To, that's a great point. Yeah, it will, yeah, but it's, you know, it's a, another example of the pendulum swinging. 
and you know exactly you throwing, when people yeah. people are throwing babies out with the bathwater, man. You can't do that. Yeah, exactly. And I got in a conversation yesterday, and and Jeff Moore says it best. Why do we always have to be in an or profession, or profession? Why can't we be an and yeah. profession? And that's what mm-hmm. John, you know, is talking about here. Is that that's what I understand. I, I'm a 100% bio guy who always wondered about the psychosocial, and I see the fit. And in no way, shape, or form, I see too many conversations, you know. And the same people that are saying we aren't psychologists are the same ones embracing biopsychosocial as a solution. So I'm like, what the hell? You, you have no idea where you're going. And they're the ones swinging the pendulum. We have to stop swinging that pendulum. And again, your approach mm-hmm. is what you said earlier. It's got to be that whole thing. It's evidence-based medicine again. Yeah, yep, yep, evidence-based yep. medicine in the context of a, a therapeutic alliance, which is evidence-based, and which means that the provider, back to your original question, the provider has to be trained, number one, to learn how to get out of the way, put their whole thing on pause, the understanding of where the patient's coming, and then with that understanding completely, you've got to be a master at integrating the two, and that is where the skills are. How do you integrate where the patient is, where you are? so that you guys can mesh the whole information systems of both nervous systems in order to accomplish a, a single goal or a group of goals that the patient and you agree on, which means, hey, man, that's, that's gold right there. And I think that's where John and I have connected so well, even beyond my earlier um, needs of needing to understand the psychosocial side of that bio part is then hearing him say what he just did. And then me with the patient experience side saying, Hmm, wait a minute. Can we start to weave? Can we start to build? Can we start to do what we need to do with this patient? You know, what's interesting. Why does it just have to be with the therapist, with the provider sitting across from them? Shouldn't it be with the practice and the people and the for lack of a better term, the brand. And so that's why John and I connected so well is I'm going, oh my God, John, this is magic in the eval room. It is magical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's it's what we need. Yet then I said to him, what would happen if we backed this out two steps? What happens if when they called your office, the person slowed, to use John's words, the person who answered the phone slowed the process down? Mm Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and then here, this is beautiful too, because just wrote this down and then got out of the way, said, why don't you tell me your story? And every business owner just fucking freaked right now because that's going to take too long on the phone. Well, that choice is yours, my friend, because this is the evidence behind how to be successful in this. So if you want to just keep collecting first name, last name, insurance information, and hoping your business will be successful, good luck. It, it may and you may hit a roof. Yeah. Do you truly want to be successful in providing care and transforming healthcare and growing beyond your biggest belief because now you're treating the whole person and putting this evidence-based practice together? What's your thoughts on that, John? Well, I would dovetail on that, Jerry, and you're, and you're right. That's kind of how we've, how we've kind, of, kind of meshed the, the two concepts. You coming from the entire patient experience and working with businesses to try to put a systematic approach to it and I've done a deep dive into the kind of the neuroscience of what exactly to say and when. And, you know, the idea that it's going to take a lot more time, and I think people would consider, may start to consider this a barrier. 
the barrier is, well, God forbid I ask people their story, it's going to take forever. And I'm saying, you know, there's a way to do it that, that doesn't take forever. You know, and the, the details, the details of that are, are just, are just that. It's a skill. It's a skill to extract somebody's story in a, in a period of time within a box, uh, within a timeline that, man, allows you to, allows you to succeed with it. Um, within some tolerances because if you don't get someone's story and that's another major theme of the, the course that we're teaching if you don't get somebody's story then you are not going to connect in their brains uh, all of the the elements that are going to be necessary for the experience you know this story and getting people's story and uh and uh Getting in their brains. Yeah, this is John sticking around with me in the webinar now, people. And it's pretty scary. If you could see the videos, it's two bald guys with glasses on, and it's a little awkward. Right. And I'm about ready to shut his video side down and just leave mine up. Um, this is so interesting, this whole story thing. And sadly enough, and what most people won't admit, is you've heard this stuff before. The problem is you heard it in business classes. And you heard it in your marketing classes and you said, this shit doesn't apply to me. And I get people standing in front of large audiences saying it doesn't apply to healthcare and it's wrong. And it's this and it's that. And sadly enough, I've learned this in marketing. And that was the first time I ever heard that reference before I met John was we have to put ourselves inside the in, in the story that's already occurring in the patient's brain. And back to John's example of the uh, person who improved and got better, their low back pain from acupuncture. That's the story in their brain. And you just said, can't happen. There's no evidence. You just kicked your ass out of their story. And guess what? She no-showed and she canceled. Right. And by the way, John wrote her off as a non-compliant patient who wasn't going to get better anyway. Geez, I wish I'd... I wish these people would stop getting put on my schedule. Yep. Oh, and guess what? Guess what? Her guess what? Her physician heard. Guess what? Her physician heard. The referral source, or her friends, said physical therapy didn't work. So wait a minute. So because I kind of messed this up and didn't connect with the patient, physical therapy didn't work. Oh, okay. Now that's a problem, right? It's not, and it's not because the, the skills that a physical therapist has can't be tragically, brutally, and wonderfully beneficial to a patient. The trouble is patients don't stay in the game because therapists aren't connecting with them. They're not guiding them successfully, not successfully pacing them at the pace that they need to go at, and, and bringing them into a motivational state, a state where they're truly motivated to connect to those goals and the, and the ways to get to those goals. That's a problem. And that's why if, if we've got a challenge as a group of physical therapists, um, beyond whatever anyone else in the healthcare space is doing right now, here's our golden opportunity. And golden opportunity, I know I use that word, so I'm going to confuse everybody, is golden opportunity for us as a profession, right, is to stand in this space clearly because we have the most time with anyone in the system right now. There's not a healthcare provider with more time than the physical therapist, number one. Number two, there are rarely, I mean, there's no other time in a person's life, in a person's story of their life, are they willing or interested in making a change than when, than when, they're, than when they're in pain, right? I mean, 
how many people are interested in changing anything when things are going swimmingly well? I mean, not pretty well, not, not many. Hence, so our hence, ability to motivate. Hence the huh? failure of injury prevention to make your point. Injury prevention programs Copy. don't work. Yeah, the research shows not it. Well. And John just mm-hmm. showed you and told you the science of why, right? And we have this person in front of us who's motivated. Right. And they can be, or, and, and what part of the skill set that we, I teach in the course is, well, where, how do we know where they are in the stages of change? Because that's been clearly defined in the research as well. Is like, how ready is someone to actually make a change? And what we do in the course is a very experiential, um, uh, experiential exercise of feeling what it feels like to know if you're ready for something. And, and then how to follow the cues. And the truth is, if someone's not ready for something, um, you've got to really determine to what extent you can give them what they need to be ready for it. You know, now you're building resources for the patient to help them move the needle on their thing. And if you push too hard, boom, you break the needle. If you don't push hard enough, well, nothing happens. There's no value there. So it's a real delicate thing that we, are, we as physical therapists specifically can get very, very, very good at when we're trained properly. That sounds scary. It sounds like a lot of it's going to be back on me, John. I don't know. It's easier just to tell you that patient was non-compliant. Yeah, that is interesting. Yep. So tell tell me a little bit about the training, John, and because it sounds so simple. And geez, after twenty minutes here, I'm ready for a change. So um, tell me a little bit. Is it one day? What are you doing up there recently? Was it one yeah. day, two day? Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing? Two days. Two days. And. You know, not like, uh, not like, uh, not unlike the other IAOM courses. And in, in, uh, you mentioned this last podcast. So I'm an instructor also with the International Academy of Orthopedic Medicine. And the IAOM, we have, a, you know, like a lot of different con ed co- uh, companies out there, right? We've been doing this a long time. We're third generation Syriax based something. But we've also branched out into providing a kind of a holistic approach or a complete clinician approach. So that the clinician and through their professional development understands that the function of the patient is three major categories. Three, not just, I mean, there's, there's so much inside of it, but the patient has to be able to move well. And as manual therapists, we can improve how stuff moves. Secondly, they have to be able to control their stuff that they can move. So we can help it move, but then they have to control it. And that's a whole sensory motor control suite of exercises and diagnostics that uh, Dr. Phil Sizer has put together out of Texas Tech University. And then lastly, it's like, well, how do you glue all that together? How do you, how do you get the patient completely involved with this, right? So that's, that's kind of the biopsychosocial beyond manual therapy, strategic communications that I teach. So we, we bolt all these together for a complete clinician training because we want ultimately, if you're gonna go through a, a, a path of learning, that you wanna be a complete clinician. And everything you can ever learn in any, anywhere else, it's all inclusive. If you want to learn a, a, a whatever technique from somewhere else, it fits in our model. But what I'm doing specifically on this two days, doing the same, the same thing. We don't, I don't guide people in getting in the skills until I, un, they completely understand the background. We would not teach a mobilization or manipulation to somebody who doesn't understand the joint, the joint surfaces, the joint tissues, the structures around it, how they control those structures. We wouldn't let someone start yanking on somebody until we really understood that. So we spend a full day of diving into the neuroscience in a very digestible way, very practical way, 
so that they can feel in their own sense about exactly what's happening and why. We work, we work into memories. We, we talk about how the brain processes memory and imprints memories. We talk about how those memories impact current physiology. We talk about how state management is impacted. We talk about the mirror neuron system so that um, how my brain connects to your brain and how that, that mechanism is dialed in. And then once we get some of those, those foundational concepts in place, then we move into actually executing specific steps and skills. And that's the first level course. So you do the level one and you get this great ability to finally connect and understand yourself in that part of the connection. And then we lead them on to, uh, I mean, then there's the next course series after that. So is that, seriously, John, was that, that was the two-day course you just described? That's a two-day course. Yeah, right. okay. So let's, um, without rehashing what he just said, let's just state this. This is the change you're going to need to make to be a true change in healthcare. We cannot continue to move forward in healthcare and not deliver value. And value is going to be measured regardless of who our, this is an apolitical statement, by the way, regardless who the president's name is. And now, coincidentally, whose president's name goes in front of our healthcare, of which I'm doing the closest thing. It ain't going to matter, people. Trump care, Obamacare, who's ever the next president care. It does not matter. We need to deliver value. And if we deliver value, we will be looked upon as the, as the solution we are capable of. And John just described perfectly how his training will help us as a profession, not you. It'll help you, but it'll help the profession be a solution to healthcare. And so I need you to, again, we're going we're gonna to end this session here, and I'm going to do one more interview with John, so there will be a part three. But... I want to keep these short and sweet. This is a lot of information. I've known John for a long time. I'm hearing this for the umpteen thousandth time, and I'm learning a lot of new stuff over these last couple of episodes. So I want you to have the ability to roll this back and back and back and not be overwhelmed with all the content. I think, I think, I think we stuck to one topic today. And it's really the theme of today was how you need to understand yourself to better help and connect that person across from you. I believe in the end of one, we are the solution to population health. The best way to population health is helping the person across from you. And then if a thousand PTs are helping the person across from them, I call that population health. Social determinants of health, I get it. That's gonna be taken care of too. We have to help the person across from us. And sometimes that person across from us isn't gonna need any intervention at all other than the skills John just told you about. You're going to listen, you're going to engage, you're going to share information, and they're going to be gone after two visits because they got what they needed. And we have to have the courage to let people go too, but that's for a whole other discussion. So I want to thank you again, John Wolf. Any parting shots here before we sign off? No, it's great, Jerry. I think, I think you hit it on the head, man. I'm, we're, we're in this, talk about disruption. It's time to disrupt it. Disruption means break the old model so that a new model can, uh, can evolve and help us all get better in what we're trying to do for, for the healthcare system. Yeah. And I have a little secret. If you do this for healthcare, it's going to help you in your personal life too. And, uh, big time and big time, man. And so John, where can people find you please? Yes. At the patient success systems.com. It's just like it sounds and how it's spelled patient success systems.com, which you can also go to, um, 
the uh, the iaom-us.com. That's iaom-us.com. That's the International Academy of Orthopedic Medicine, the uh, the the academy through which I teach these courses, and uh, I am at one lo- at one logo PT on Twitter. On Twitter, yes, sir. And um, it's John, just how it sounds, J O H N, and it's Wolf, not how it sounds, W O O L F. I've tried to Google him before and gotten lost, so it's W O O L F. Thank you once again, John, for this awesome conversation. Again, as promised, uh, we're going to do another one, but thank you for this conversation, my man. All right, Jerry. Thanks. Bye-bye, all. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthcare Disruption Podcast. If you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes and write us a review. We'd love to uh, see your thoughts and opinions on this. And uh, if you really like what you heard, then want you to subscribe so you make sure and get the uh, latest notifications every time we post a new episode. If you want to stay in touch with Jerry, make sure and head on over to jerrydurhampt.com and click on the stay in contact button. And I tend to hang out on Instagram at jerrydurhampt and Facebook at jerrydurhampt. Thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye.